hell that I was in, I'd do anything to be better. I thought like a lunatic. You kind of just have like that little bit of hope that it will get better. You're gonna make it. This began my surrender. I am a witness of my own growth. It's a life beyond your wildest dreams, and I just have to say, it works if you work it. My story, that's what I share. You're listening to Far From Finished, a weekly podcast where we share new, real-life stories of hope and triumph, told by the people who live them. Today's story comes to us from... My name is uh, Rich. I am from Atlantic Beach, Florida. Uh, I'm an alcoholic, and uh, Desert Hope helped me get where I am today, which is great. Um, I grew up in a small town. Um, Both parents were alcoholics. Um, They became problem drinkers as uh, their drinking advanced, and uh, I guess it affected me initially just as being uncomfortable as a kid, uh, but I wouldn't say it started me in my path of, of drinking heavy. Um, my mother uh, was an alcoholic and she started, her drinking turned into true, what I consider true alcoholism when my father uh, was overseas. When they moved to where I grew up, they uh, quit moving the family. My father didn't want to move the family anymore so he continued in the Navy and we stayed at home. Um, My mother's drinking started getting to be a problem. My mother who was the nicest, most loving, true person that I've ever met and I don't just say that because she's my mother. She was somebody that didn't judge anyone. Very sweet. When she would drink she would turn into a loud uh, emotional uh, person which was way out of, of who she was generally and I think a lot of that had to do with my father not being there. Uh, when my father did come back, uh, it was many several years actually, uh, he slowly slipped into true alcoholism as well. His mode of alcoholism was He'd go back, he'd come in on the weekend and with a big bottle and go in the bedroom and he drank all weekend and you wouldn't see him much. And if you did, he was very confrontational, very um, gruff and hard to deal with. Well, about growing up, I mean, I think I'm just like, any, well, I can't say any other kid because I don't know how other kids grew up, but I mean, me and my friends, I mean, you know, it, it's part of adolescence that you want to drink. You know, you want to try alcohol because you see everybody else doing it. I think as a kid, I didn't necessarily put together that drinking was a major problem. I just thought maybe my mother had a problem. I didn't know that it was exactly drinking that did it. I didn't give a lot of thought to if I would go down that same road or not. So uh, now when I got older, uh, I saw the relation and saw that my mother was an alcoholic, my father was an alcoholic, my brother had a drug issue at times, and uh, I did realize that the environment and how I grew up probably influenced my uh, pro- eventual problems with drinking. I started, I tried alcohol probably the first time when I was 11 or 12 years old, just what was, you know, what we could get our hands on as as kids, you know, you would steal a couple beers and but it was very infrequent and that's the way it was pretty much with everything Uh, I tried pot for the first time about 13 once again it was very infrequent 
it was it was very infrequent. Um, but then, as I as I got older, as I uh, started my profession and started advancing, um, I started drinking more. It still wasn't an issue that was really causing a lot of problems in my life, but. Uh, my first wife thought it was an issue of my drinking, um, but she did not partake at all. So I led a lot of it to that. But after that, uh, after my divorce of my first marriage and living alone is when I probably first started realizing that I had a drinking problem. But I never tried to do anything about it until approximately two years ago. Never, ever tried to stop. I went to junior, high, junior college right out of high school. Uh, wasted a lot of time, uh, was not, didn't really know what I wanted to do, and the ability to not have to go to class if you didn't have to, and the ability to smoke pot anytime you wanted uh, was a negative effect on me. I smoked a lot of pot during that period of time, and I drank steadily, but never with any um, habitual issues that that I could see at that point. I uh, but I quit going to school because I realized I was wasting my time. And I worked in a hospital and I was exposed to critical care in the, in the emergency department because I was a supply tech. And when they had patients that were really bad, I helped distribute the supplies to the people that were working because uh, I had a knowledge of it. Well, so I decided, I met some people that were respiratory therapists and decided that that's what I would do. And I went back to college to study respiratory therapy and uh, from that point on I was extremely successful in, in my college. I, I went right through it, I made great grades uh, uh, and then before I ever graduated actually I started working in the field. Um, used to the licensure in the state I'm from you could practice uh, non-critical care just as a student after a year of college and so I started working in it then I mean I got a little bored with the hospital where I was working it was a community hospital and we didn't do open-heart surgery we didn't do anything uh, of any what I considered significance at that time when I went to college there was I was at a teaching hospital and there was a lot more critical care so I was a little bored. I started working at a different hospital, which is uh, the hospital that's one of the best known medical institutions in the country. Uh, I started working there just because I wanted a challenge and uh, slowly went, uh, progressed to be full-time there, uh, became a supervisor uh, in respiratory therapy when my same time my daughter was born and was a supervisor for that institution for 17 years in respiratory therapy. Um, I, the, the one thing that was really odd during that time and it didn't really, I didn't really notice it, I didn't think about it until the very end was I was working side by side with some of the top physicians in their field and working with some patients with with diseases, processes that were pretty rare because we got sent people uh, that had some, you know, abnormal uh, problems. And I would be working hand-to-hand with these people and in critical situations, which I love. I love blood and guts. I love that critical care part of it. 
and I'd be working with these great physicians and I was part of the team and I and you know I was respected and I respected them and it was a very great environment to learn but I would go home and slap myself in front of a television with a bottle of bourbon and just sit there and wallow in it and toward the end I started thinking you know how am I how can I function at the that way at work and deal with the stuff I deal with and with these people that are good human beings, very professional. And I, here I am, as soon as I get home, sitting in front of a television with a giant bo- uh, glass of bourbon beside me. And uh, it was a duality that my professional life was a lot of who I was. I really enjoy it. That's It's a really a big part of what I like and the duality of being in this situation and doing what I really loved and then being home and being depressed and wallowing in alcoholism was just, it sucked, it was terrible. I decided, I had been a supervisor for 17 years and decided that I was a little burned out. Um, I had been doing it for a very long time and did not want to do it anymore, wanted to go back just to critical care. And what happened was um, I went from, for the last 17 years I'd worked five days a week because as a supervisor I worked basically Monday through Friday um, and only had two days off. Uh, When I went back to staff I had worked three 12-hour shifts which allowed me four days off and during that period looking back now my drinking started to really progress, uh, started to become a problem. I was living, I mean, uh, with my wife and I I started realizing, you know, that I was trying to cut back and couldn't. And I had never, ever tried to stop drinking before this time, ever. Even though I kind of knew that I was an alcoholic in the back of my head. And I decided I needed to get some help. Uh, I felt terrible. Uh, My health wasn't great. And so I went to a local rehab the first time. I felt like it, like I, it did me really well. I, uh, Unfortunately, I kind of felt like, oh, I kind of got this. Uh, it, it, I kind of felt like, you know, I've learned it. Uh, I will say that I did not want to leave as soon as I had to. Um, but then I did outpatient following my inpatient stay and remained sober for about 65 days somewhere in that ballpark and started drinking again, just driving home from work, just stopped in and bought something to drink. Um, and during this period, my brother's health was really declining. He went through uh, a rapid decline in death, and my drinking got worse and worse and worse. And it came to the point where it was a huge problem. I, I was having issues with balance and uh, just uh, balance and feeling bad and, and nausea, not just as a result of a hangover, but just generally, just the way I was because of all the alcohol that I was taking in. And one day I, I just, I, and actually came to the point that I half-assedly, half tried to do, commit suicide, which I didn't, luckily it wasn't anything real serious, but the thought was there. And I started really feeling like I was worthless, like uh, I didn't have anything to live for. And I got through that situation. I actually went impatient for just a few days because of the suicidal thoughts and got back out and started drinking heavily again. And then one morning I was 
coming downstairs. My wife was already downstairs, and I was coming down the stairs, and I said to myself, you know, I can't. I cannot live my life this way anymore. I can't. I've tried to quit. It didn't work. I've got to get some help. I've got to quit. I, my, you know, I felt like my life was worthless at that point, and I didn't want to feel that. It was. It sucked. I had a 19-year-old daughter that was about to start college, and, or 18 at that time, about to start college, and you know, I, I had a lot of good things going for me. I had a good job, but the alcoholism just kicked my butt. It was terrible. And so I came downstairs, and my wife is familiar with uh, the recovery programs because she is actually bipolar and uh, had been into rehabs, not, well, into treatment. I wouldn't say rehab. She never had a drug or alcohol problem. And I told her, I said, can you please try to find me someplace where I can go and stay? I don't want to go for 10 days. I don't want to go for 15 days. I want to immerse myself in recovery and get better. I want to get better. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to live my life like this anymore. And she called uh, American Addiction Center, um, I guess while I was probably sleeping or passed out or whatever the case may be. Um, And she said, well, I found this place. I spoke to somebody and they'll actually fly you out there. Uh, And it sounds like a really good program. And I actually was on probation for something that was intoxication related, but not really directly to alcohol. But still, I was on probation and uh, went to my probation. That, this was on one day. Went to the probation office the next day and talked to her, really opened up to her about the fact that I had a major drinking problem and how bad I felt. Turns out she's 12 years in recovery. And so she was very, very supportive of me trying to get help and even had a friend who worked locally at a local rehab and she was willing to go through the steps of trying to get me in there if it needed but I really um, I really felt like I wanted to get away from everything I wanted to really go someplace where I concentrated on nothing but learning to become sober and I went back home that day. That was a Thursday, I believe. And Friday, I got on the plane and flew to Las Vegas and went to Desert Hope. And from the second I walked into Desert Hope, it was different. And so coming to uh, Desert Hope and walking in and seeing the facility, the quality of the people that I associated with, the, the intake people, the therapists, the uh, everything, Um, seemed like a huge step up to me but I also realized that I was ready I mean I I knew that I had this had to work I was here for one reason and I wasn't letting anything get in the way of it I was very steadfast in the fact I wanted to get better and met the best therapist I've ever had I still say the best therapist I've ever gone to was my therapist, uh, my group therapist when I was inpatient. Um, Helped me through a lot of really tough times. When I first got there, everything went to hell. I lost a car, uh, lost my job, uh, lost, uh, almost lost my home, almost lost my wife. Right when I got there, I mean, it all hit the fan right like two days after I got to Desert Hope. 
you know, I really think what I've learned in recovery, and you know, I'm far from a, a sage or someone who knows everything you need to know about recovery, but what I think for me happened was her outlook was no nonsense, no BS, but very uh, caring and respectful. And I like that in somebody. Uh, she wasn't going to coddle you and make you feel like, oh, oh, poor you. But at the same time, because uh, she stood up, you know, she made you realize the big truths. And, but she was there to support you. And she told me early on, and she told somebody else in the group, she said, she said, I will do anything I can do to help you stay as long as you can and get whatever help you can, but I'm not going to help you leave. And I really appreciated that. She seemed to really care, and her attitude and the way that she ran the group and the stuff that she wanted to talk about was, it was very relatable. It was, uh, and, you know, we had a varied group, of course, you know, men, women, young and old, and she, I thought, had a good grasp of connecting with everybody who wanted to connect. You know, there were some people in there that, really didn't seem too interested and quite honestly I don't think they got a lot from it but I think that's a personal thing. She was exactly who I needed at that time. She really was. When I first got to Desert Hope uh, I walked in the door with the attitude that I wanted to stay as long as I could. That I wanted, that this was real for me, this needed to be fixed. I didn't want to do it anymore. I, I, I did not, I mean this was a a place in my life that I needed a major change and I was willing to, I wanted to stay as long as possible. I didn't want to be, uh, I wanted to be as immersed in recovery as I could. And then after I was there about 30 days, actually it was probably less than that, they started talking about outpatient and originally I was apprehensive um, because, I mean, and I guess it's a bit of an egotistical thing but I kind of felt like it was going to be an uncomfortable situation jumping into from the life I had been living and where I'd been live where I'd been living and the way I had been living in my home to being in a large house full of a bunch of uh, alcoholics and addicts and didn't think I was a little hesitant about it to be quite honest I was hesitant about going. Um, but then the more I thought about it, I realized how the progression worked, that you went from being impatient and completely controlled and n not have the ability to make mistakes or to have temptation around every corner, and that when you went to outpatient, you had those, you started to have some of those um, issues that could happen. You, you know, if I tried hard enough, I could drink. If I, you know, if I didn't want to do things, I didn't have to do them. Um, and, but once I got there and started getting involved, I really felt really comfortable. It, it really felt like a good progression to me to uh, be sitting there in the house and cooking dinners and doing everything you did and then getting up in the morning and going to group and, uh, be, and participating and being part of group all day and then going back. At first I really didn't think it was for me, but it turns out it was good. The thing, the thing that really, and I've actually shared this locally um, with some of, the pe some of the people at the meetings at home is if you have insurance, 
if you're covered by insurance, you can come here. And from my experience, and this is my experience, uh, it is so much better and so much more of a quality place. And you have so much the ability to learn so much and really recover that I say do it. I say, you know, uh, you know, call them up. See if they can work it out. See if you can do it because they flew me here and it didn't cost me anything out of pocket and it was the best decision I ever made. I mean, it really was. So if you're not sure, uh, I think you should try it. I also think that um, everybody, I mean, this is just my personal opinion, but I think um, everybody has a chance to recover. Um, but I think it takes work on your part. It takes, you have to know what you want, you have to do it. Uh, I, really quickly here, I decided that I wasn't concerned about when I was getting out. Uh, I wasn't concerned about, well, I get out two weeks from Friday. My concern was, I want to stay as long as I can, and I want to learn and experience everything I can about recovery while I'm here. Um, I, it was even to the point that I was a little snippy to some of the other uh, patients because I didn't want to have a group off and go smoke or whatever because I was here to recover and I think this was the perfect spot for me. It, it, it worked for me, it felt great for me, I felt like it was time I could have not spent better anywhere. Before I came um, uh, everything was dark. Um, everything was pessimistic. Every, I mean, I didn't see any. I really. I mean, it's going to sound like I'm, it's going to sound stereotypical or cliche, but I didn't see anything positive out there. I. It was all dark. It was all terrible. Um, I didn't see any help. I was really hopeless. I, you know, and when I got out from here and went back home, everything was different. Um, I felt better. Um, I appreciated my neighborhood, my environment, my home more than I had because I became to appreciate how good it really was if I didn't have the alcohol goggles on, which is how I kind of refer to it. I think the alcohol kept me from appreciating my life and when I quit drinking and went home and opened my eyes and started uh, working on recovery things just got better and better and better um, I have somebody who loved to cook and at the end of my uh, addiction the end of my alcoholism I was never cooking I was you know it was sit and drink and when I went home I did some remodeling in my kitchen. I uh, started cooking again. It just really kind of, I would say, re-motivated me to life, to realizing what I have, uh, and also realizing, though, that I had to work at maintaining a better life. It wasn't anything that I could just stroll into. I mean, I need to go to meetings. Uh, I had never really grasped AA or never really took it seriously and once I found the sponsor that was right for me and uh, the group that was right for me uh, I just continued to make progress and it's I've 
I'm happy every day. And I know that sounds uh, like a fairy tale or something, but for me, I seriously have joy every day because I don't feel like that anymore. I don't feel like my life sucks, and I don't feel like... When I started uh, my involvement in AA and just being part of it, which I don't think I ever had, um, and you and you have a relationship with a sponsor, which I think I have a really good sponsor, um, and you can find one that's right for you. Don't settle. If you're not comfortable with the one, don't you know find another one. But I found a sponsor that I liked, and one thing he said to me on a lot more than one occasion was when I would thank him for his involvement or help thank him for taking me to a meeting or thank him for something he did, he said, dude, you're thanking me. He said, I should be thanking you. He said, you're helping me. You're, me being able to work with you is helping me. And I guess as I got more and more comfortable and confident and appreciative of how I was able to feel better and live a better life in my own mind, and, and really enjoy myself more, I kind of felt like I had learned some things that I thought were pretty significant uh, that I really felt like if new people knew, uh, people that are new to a program or new to a recovery knew that maybe it would take some of those apprehensions out of their head. And sharing with other people and helping others helps you. Um, I mean, even now, just the talking that I'm doing helps me to reinforce some of the feelings I have and reinforce how much I appreciate my recovery. And uh, I think that giving back and, and involvement here for me uh, I mean, I looked at it with great, not apprehension whatsoever. I looked at it with great anxiety, but it positive anxiety. Not, I wasn't worried about it. I was, I was looking really forward to it and looked at it as an opportunity, not only to hopefully help somebody or somebody might hear something in what I said that would help, but it helps me. I mean, it helps me to to walk into this this institution again and to look at the people that are going through recovery and and remember that I was there not so long ago. I was right there in that room. And if I can help one of those people, if there's something I they learn that I said or I kind of remind them of something or whatever, then it's 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 all positive. There's no negative to it at all.